Hello, 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 and welcome to Courageously Kind. I'm Maddie. And I'm Liz. We're twin sisters and best friends. Together, we share stories of especially kind humans doing especially kind things in hopes that these conversations motivate and inspire you to be kinder to yourself and others. When we're not speaking with an incredible guest, we'll speak directly from our hearts about what it means to us to be courageously kind. This coming week is Face Equality Week, which is really exciting. I believe it starts on Tuesday. It starts on the 17th of May and goes till the 24th. So we wanted to make sure that you all had something to listen to before Face Equality Week to get you in the mood. And this week is really special. It's not just us rambling for 15 minutes or so. We decided this year to highlight some of the incredible face equality activists we've spoken to over the past year and a half. Just a reminder that these are all snippets from full-length episodes that have been already published and already uploaded, so if you like anything you hear and you want to learn more, you can check out our page to find the full episodes. This clip here is from Kim Teams Fox, who is the president of Faces, the Craniofacial Association. President, right? Yeah. Okay. Here she's talking about Faces and the incredible work they do. And she also talks about how they got involved with Face Equality International. Face Equality International are the ones who are putting on Face Equality Week this week. So it was just the perfect little clip to insert in this episode. I love Kim. Take a listen to this and feel inspired. So really quickly, for we talk a lot about FACES, but for our listeners who don't really know what FACES is, what are some things that you guys do to help families and kids? Okay. FACES, we help um, children and adults with craniofacial differences, whether it's accident, disease, or birth defect. Mm-hmm. We help them with financial travel. Um, many times families have to travel many miles to go to the craniofacial specialist they need to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we help with lodging and food parking, flight, um, things like that, that make it a lot easier because it takes, oh goodness, with insurance being so crazy, even if you're covered in insurance, you're still up to here in medical bills, right. uh, traveling. Sometimes a parent has to stay home for a while and not work, yeah. especially when the child is young and still going through a lot of the surgeries and such. Right. So that was one, of, that's our main, main support. Um, And then we information and support online and by the telephone and emails um, all over the world. We help financially in the United States. Okay. But all over the world with information support, I get emails from Russia. I get emails from Egypt. I get emails from all over the the world um, asking, you know, I have a child that has aprons. Where do I go? Or there's nobody in this country, da, 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 helping them find resources, helping them find other nonprofits sort of close to them. Um, So doing things like that, um, talking to new parents that sometimes are calling right after they've had an ultrasound, Mm -hmm. finding out that their baby has a craniofacial difference. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times for the parents, it's almost like the death of one baby and the birth of another, because they're overwhelmed. They don't know what to think. They're afraid. They have so many questions. What if, what if, what if? So we help them through that. We connect them with other people, um, information, other um, agencies, depending on what they're needing, help them 
help them find a selection of craniofacial centers that they can then interview and pick. We never refer. We give them the information. So questions to ask, how to talk to your doctor, because a lot of times they're young and they, they, a doctor, oh, you know, your doctor, they're scared to death to say anything. So you're like, no, you need to ask questions. Here's some questions to ask. Here's some red flags. If if they don't want to answer these questions or if they're Mm -hmm. being weird, think about that because, you know, you're going to kind of be growing with this, with this team for Absolutely. a while, right? You're going to be yeah. with them in a form of relationship. Yeah. So we help them that way, um, how to find information support. Um, and then of course there's space equality and uh, that is a very new thing. And I'm so honored that Faces was one of the founding members of Face Equality. Lynn Mayfield was still president at the time when we got a call from James Partridge. Mm-hmm. So we got this call from, from James explaining face equality and, and Lynn knew who he was. I had really not heard of him. He had, he was um, the founder of changing faces in the UK um, because his face changed. He was a young man when he was in a fiery car accident. And one day he was just a young man with a regular face. The next day he was burned all over, Mm -hmm. lost some fingers. So his face changed. After, um, in his book, he, he tells his story. Eventually, he started Changing Faces, and then he retired. During the time at Changing Faces, they started Face Equality in the UK, mm-hmm. and actually, and Taiwan really picked up on it as well, um, the, Smile, the Smile Foundation. Um, I'll, I get it mixed up, but um, mm-hmm. oh, they'll come to me. But um, so James's dream then after he retired was to make it worldwide and to bring the case to the United Nations so that we have face equality like race equality all over the world. Some countries are protected a little bit more than others. Like the United States, if you are discriminated because of a facial difference, you really don't have much legal things to stand on. You don't. It's sometimes it's subtle and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's obvious. Mm -hmm. It can be subtle by being looked over because you look different and they just assume, oh, they're not going to be any good or, you know, they're not smart and actually they're missing out on a lot of talent. And, you know, because that's like, that's unmined, that's gold mines of talent there. Um, So face equality was just right on time. And we were like, yes, we want to be part of this. Yes, yes, yes. And um, what was wonderful about this really was, so Lynn went on to retire and I was president and we had our first forum, face equality forum in London, right before the plague, on yeah. 2019, right? Yeah. And so um, I got to go to that. I drug my husband along and did a little sightseeing on the side, but we yeah. went to face equality forum. I got to meet James in person, which was awesome. Um, and so many cool people from around the world all these different nonprofits came together. And what we discovered was that we're all trying to help this group of people. Mm -hmm. Why reinvent the wheel? We need to help each other and and share resources. And that was the biggest thing that came from that. We learned all kinds of things. But since that time, it's been tremendously helpful for me because I can shoot an email to somebody um, in one of uh, like, oh... I have a guy and I have a, a one in Czechoslovakia, one of the nonprofits. And, you know, I can say, Hey, I have somebody that's reached that's looking for somebody. Can you help them? Or, you know, so I have people all around the world that can help and it's all because of face equality. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I just feel like it's so important. Our job is to help people. It's not to be worried about competition, about donations or sponsorships or who's going to be more famous. It's about how can I help this person? And if it takes sending you somewhere else, that's where I'm going to send you. Um, So this was wonderful with seeing, I mean, seeing all the nonprofits and we really all agreed. And um, so we continue on with face equality, you know, once a year we have face equality week, Mm -hmm. we are working on an education hub. Actually, they have an education hub now on faceequalityinternational.org, I think. Um, What is else going on? I know there's lots of, we've got lots of things going on with that worthy of checking up. So this next clip is from our friend Ladarius at the Healing Heart. And in this conversation, we talk all about the realities of living with a facial difference. It is true what he said, we still have a long way to go, but we can start just by being kind. I love it. And I loved Ladarius's optimism and outlook on things. It's really positive, really inspiring, and certainly uplifting as we going to face quality weekend are reminded that we still have so much work to do. Absolutely. My wife and I, we were out and we were at this, um, we were getting something to eat at a restaurant. I'm not going to name the restaurant, um, <laughs> but um, we were sitting, we were sitting there, we were just waiting on our food mm-hmm. and the manager, um, and we didn't know this was the manager at the time. Mm-hmm. He was kind of rallying up. Um, like the rest of the co-workers to come and point at me and you know they were visibly mm-hmm. laughing at me you oh know God. and mm-hmm. you know in that instance you know these were adults yeah these were all adults you know so I'm just sitting there it didn't bother me yeah that you know that didn't bother me of course I'm like wow we're still doing this right um, exactly but you know for my wife it made it made her furious yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because and she was like, why does it bother you? And I'm like, because I've been dealing with it all of my life, you know, mm-hmm. but that's a problem in itself that I made it OK to I, I allowed mm-hmm. the behavior because like, oh, well, I've been dealing with it. You know, people are not going to change. Right. But that's one example. Now, something that really did bother me. And it's crazy. Both of these happened at the same restaurant, but in two different yeah. cities. <laughs> This time it was a customer. There was a customer, just somebody in there um, like me. Um, and I'm sitting down. I'm eating my food. It's breakfast time. So sometimes mm-hmm. I just like to go and sit by myself, eat, get, spend some time with myself. Yeah. And it was a, a mother and a child. The child mm-hmm. wanted to sit over there close by to where I was sitting at because I was mm-hmm. sitting by the little area where people can go play or whatever. You know, they were all for it. And when I tell you, um, when they were getting ready to sit down, mm-hmm. His mom took one look at me, I mean, staring like this, took her child, and they went all the way across the other end of the restaurant. Now, that right there, that was something that bothered me because, um, you know, children, they're innocent. And and that could have been a teachable moment. Exactly. It could have been a teachable moment. But she chose to, you know, stare. And she's not obligated to do anything, of course. Right. But she chose to um, treat that and treat me as if, you know, like I'm just a monster. That's how I felt. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. People, people really still look, look like that. And that was something that that broke me that day. Yeah. Just because um, just because I'm just like, wow, like what what was the reason? You know, yeah. you could have said hi. 
I exactly. say I say hi back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I don't I don't want your, your pity or anything. I'm just yeah. human. I'm trying to get something to eat just like you. Exactly. And it and it just depends. So sometimes I I handle it in a way where oh it doesn't bother me, you know, mm-hmm. just brush it off my shoulder. And other times it'll just like I said earlier, it'll take me back to that place, you know, bullied mm-hmm. or left out or yeah. It's just something, and I try. I try to just. Most of the time, I try to brush it off, but yeah. sometimes it's just like it, it. You know, like I dang, I have feelings too. Right, exactly. <laughs> so. yeah, it's hard. It, it, it unfortunately sticks with you. Yeah, and, and yeah, with your child and you. Yeah, I just like grown adults that don't have the awareness yeah. of like, like you said, that could have been a teachable moment. That yeah. could have been a really beautiful yeah. moment. Yeah. And I think, right. you know, it's, it's just a reminder that we still have work to do. We got to keep going. We got to talking about these things. Yeah. yeah. And making people aware of we these do. things. We do. Yeah. We do. And I was just telling someone that the other day, it's like, we've come so far, but there's still, it's like the further we get, it's still so much work to do. Do you ever feel like kind of burnt out from it? Do you ever feel like, oh, you know, why am I doing this? You know, where do we go from here? Does that ever get to you? Mm, no, I, I would say it's the opposite. I feel mm. like I'm not doing enough. Yeah. I always feel like, okay, you're doing this, but you could do more. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm um, burnt out. I get that guilty feeling that I'm not doing enough. Well, you are definitely doing enough. You are doing incredible work. We, I appreciate it. And last but certainly not least, we spoke to Ashley from Cleft Love. Now, this is an episode that is not released yet. It's one of our episodes that we are pre-recording for the fall. So stay tuned for more of Ashley. We love Ashley. She's so, so sweet. sweet. And in this clip, she talks about seeing someone else, particularly a young baby, with an untreated cleft or a facial difference for the first time. It's really beautiful how that encounter with someone that looked like her inspired her to do the incredible work that she's doing today. And it really is so inspiring to all of us to see her compassion and her love and her motivation. I feel like even from this little story, we can all absorb some of that motivation and inspiration too. Absolutely. So here's a little teaser from our episode with Ashley. I don't know. When I was in college at some point, I kind of went through this phase of really wanting to get involved somehow with the cleft community, but I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can go on like a trip with a nonprofit or do something, but I didn't, I didn't know how to go about it. So I just kind of like let that dream fizzle out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I don't know, maybe seven years ago, I was in a grocery store, like doing my regular grocery shopping. And I look up and I see a baby whose cleft hadn't been treated yet in the shopping cart. And that was the first time that I had ever seen a baby with an untreated cleft in person before. And it changed my life in so many ways. And there was a minute, I guess, where I had all these feelings. I didn't know that I had previously, that I must've been holding inside of me. Mm -hmm. And so I, in that second, I was, I, it occurred to me that I 
didn't know how I would feel if I'd ever seen a baby with an untreated cleft. Like maybe I would think it was gross or maybe I would be scared or something. And then if I felt those sort of negative feelings, then how would that mean that I felt about myself? you know, and, but, uh, in that minute I didn't feel anything negative. And in fact, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the most perfect baby I've ever seen in my whole life. And so it it was just a very healing moment for me, I think, because then I realized that, you know, I've been perfect since the beginning too. Mm -hmm. And then I also had the opportunity to talk to the parents or it was the mom and the grandma actually. And they, you know, I think it was really beneficial for them to see someone that was sort of on the other side of things. And so I realized then that there was sort of a need for a voice of someone who was in the cleft community that had been through it. And so I joined a cleft mom support group and I just kind of like lurked around and watched (laughs) for a while. (laughs) And then I, um, And then I started posting about my life and the support I got was overwhelming. And so then from there, I decided to start Cleft Love, uh, which was a blog. It started as a Facebook blog, actually. Um, And I was very resistant to switching over to any other social media platforms. (laughs) So um, because I was convinced that if I posted in both places, then engagement would go down in one. But anyway, so I finally got on the Instagram train and the TikTok train. And so um, it's been really fun exploring those mediums too, because now there's sort of a video element, but that's my very long-winded story of how it, how it all started and what got me here. So I love it. That kind of brings us to a, a, like an interesting point that we wanted to talk about that Liz brought up when we were talking about chatting with you. And that is um, using social media while having a facial difference and all the complexities that come along with that. Mm-hmm. And Liz can speak more to that than I can, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of emotions and a lot of, at least for me, a lot of um, resistance and, and fear with using social media, you know? Um, and I think we, everyone, whether you have a facial difference or not, um, we all kind of struggle with it a little bit, but I think having a difference makes it heighten. I think we're on sort of the precipice of, of getting difference represented. You know, I mean, more and more ads are having people with differences and um, all of that, but we're not quite there. But it's also something that I remind myself because um, all differences before they became appropriately represented kind of went through a um you know an in-between phase so you know like fat people didn't used to be represented anywhere on tv and then when they started to be represented it was skinny people but in fat suits Mm -hmm. and then we finally have gotten to a place where like you know, all different sizes are represented on TV and, and that's really great, but it's, there's sort of like a growing pains yeah. middle point. And I kind of feel like that's where we are with facial difference representation. If you're looking for more ways to get involved in face equality week this week, head over to faceequalityinternational.org for a bunch of resources and information there. Also stay tuned on our Instagram. We'll be sharing things all week and feel free to share things on your Instagram if you feel called to do so. There's a lot of great creators out there who are doing wonderful things 
um, that are being highlighted this week. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And I just want to say real quick before we leave you this week, you do not have to have a facial difference or even know someone with a facial difference to celebrate Basic Equality Week. You might not even encounter someone with a facial difference in the next week, and that's okay. We all just need to remember to be kind, to have the courage to be kind to everyone, regardless of how they look. And I hope you have a great week. Happy Face Equality Week. Love your face. It's very beautiful. (laughs) And we will see you back here real soon. We'd like to give a huge thank you to Anna Waltz Landscape Contracting for their support of Courageously Kind. Anna Waltz is a family-owned landscape contracting company in Berks County that has served Pennsylvania for over 35 years. If you're ready to get your landscaping project started, visit AnnaWaltzLandscape.com or call 610-916-7070. Anna Waltz Landscape Contracting, beautifying Pennsylvania one yard at a time. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends, your family, or anyone you think might like it too. And if you want to support the show, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Or check out our merch store at CourageouslyKind.org. Take good care, and we'll see you back here real soon.